Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Man, do you ever feel like just torn where there's like so much good going on and then there's things that just grieve your heart? Yeah. I think the reality... uh, uh, of the kingdom is that we can live in, in both places at the same time and still hold on to our joy, right? Like the joy of the Lord is your strength that actually sustains you in the midst of difficulty and allows you to celebrate in the midst of, uh, uh, of things worth celebrating. And I, I feel like what God is inviting us to as a people is to live in that reality and not to surrender our joy and yet still be able to grieve and hurt with those who are in the midst of pain. Are you with me? And I feel like the key to that is that we learn how to think from heaven's perspective instead of from earth's perspective. So this morning we'll talk a little bit about that, but before we do, I wanna just take a minute to pray for Ukraine. I've invited Dana, our prayer pastor, to lead us in prayer. So go ahead and stand and go ahead and grab a hand and we're just gonna actually just make agreement together um, and then for the next minute or two after we pray, I just want to give you an opportunity to give towards relief efforts in Ukraine. Um, We're still trying to sort out exactly where that'll go. We have some good contacts and friends. Uh, A guy I know, Ben Fitzgerald, is actually leading a team from Germany um, to pray at the border and then into Ukraine in the middle of war. Um, to, to share the gospel and bring supplies. And there's so many efforts like that going on. And as the church, we wanna respond. And, and it's easy to think, well, that's really not my issue, but it's actually, it's an issue of the world and God has given us responsibility in the world. And so we wanna steward that responsibility well. We wanna pray, we wanna give, we wanna do whatever God leads us to do in response to that. We don't wanna be a people that bury our head in the sand, but instead we wanna be activated uh, into the authority responsibility that God has given us. And so, Dana, would you just lead us in prayer? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just declare that you are good mm-hmm. and that yes. the earth belongs to you yes. and all who dwell therein, that Ukraine belongs to you, yes. that Russia belongs to you. God, that you are on your throne and you are moving. And Lord, we do lift up Ukraine to you. We thank you, God, that you are an ever-present help, that you are comforter, that you are peace. And Lord, we just speak that and declare that right now over the hearts of these precious people, that you don't just give peace, but you give yourself, that Jesus Christ himself is their peace. God, we thank you, Lord, for making yourself known in intimate and powerful ways. We thank you that your promises over Ukraine are yes and amen in Jesus, and we just declare your promises right now over this nation. We thank you that you're the God that splits Red Seas, that you're the God that surrounds Ukraine with angel armies, and we ask, God, that you would open the church's eyes to see like you opened Elijah's servant's eyes to see how much more are on our side than against us. And we ask you, God, to bind these principalities and powers that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy. We declare Jesus came to give life. And so we speak life and declare life and release life, Lord. 
And we thank you, Jesus, that what the enemy meant for evil, God, that you will turn to good as you're awakening your bride, as you're rising your sons and daughters to take our position as sons and to bring healing to the nations. God, you are bringing healing to the nations. You're anchoring us in the good news of Jesus, God among us, so that we bring the good news wherever we go. So we thank you, Father, that you're in the middle of all of this and that your kingdom is advancing and your will is being done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Dana. Amen. If you would like to give, uh, the way that you can give is actually our normal way to give. If you're texting, you can just add, like you put your dollar amount to that number and then add the word Ukraine and we'll get it there. If you're giving online, just put in the memo Ukraine, the same with the check or you can write on the envelope, put money in the box. But I, I really feel like this is uh, a key time um, for Ukraine and for Russia. Um, uh, uh, my, my prayer is that God would intervene in Russia. I know there are lots of Russians uh, even in leadership um, that are opposed to what's going on. And we just wanna continue uh, to pray for them. We know uh, that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. We're not just wishing uh, our best, but we're actually seeing things change in response to our prayer. How many of you know that we're saved because we believe in Jesus, right? You know, when we believe in Jesus, what happens is we get a new heart. Say new heart. New heart. Our, our biggest problem is that while we get a new heart, we don't get a new mind. Right? Have you experienced that? Where it's like, I still got those memories and those patterns. And it's like, man, I don't know what to do. I can't fully live out of my new heart, even though I have it. You see, we're saved because we believe in Jesus, but we're transformed when we learn to believe with Jesus. And so the invitation of heaven is this, is that we would learn that we're actually, like Ephesians 2 says, that we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places, and that we would then learn how to think and then act in response to the places that we're seated. You see, I, I grew up uh, in, in, a, in a sort of charismatic church, like we'd have weekends or even weeks of like revival like we experienced last week and then uh, stuff would seem to go back to normal, right? And it blew my mind that people were experiencing and encountering God in incredible ways and then the week after we did church as normal and it seemed as if nothing changed. You see, most of the time, many of us are looking for God to do something through us instead of learning how to partner with what God is doing in us. And so the, the invitation of heaven is that we would learn to live with a transform, with a renewed mind. Ephesians, or, uh, Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say transformed, transformed. by the renewing of your mind. Here's what that means. You get transformed when your mind is renewed. That's really good because it's like an exponential result. If you think differently, you become different. That's really good news. That means that I don't have to change myself, but I do have to take responsibility for the thoughts that are in my head. It says that 
We can't be transformed to the pattern of this world. How many of you know there are lots of patterns in this world? There are ideologies and ideas, philosophies, all sorts of stuff that's being spread um, right now, targeted at our kids in the midst of education. There's all sorts of patterns of this world that would like to transform us into the image of this world, but the invitation of heaven is that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That word transformed, say transformed. Transformed. The word transformed is basically the word metamorphosis. You remember from like elementary school science that metamorphosis is the process that a butterfly goes through when a caterpillar changes into mush in the cocoon and then comes out metamorphosized as a butterfly. It's actually changed in form in a way that it can never go back. What happens is, is we learn to renew our mind, to think not just like God, but actually to think with God. Then we're transformed in a way that we can't go back. That word metamorphosis, it means this in the Greek. It means to change one back from you're actually a new species, a new creation. And your mind is catching up in a way that it will have an impact on your whole life. Turn with me to number chapters, Numbers chapter 13, number chapters, numbers chapters 13. And we're going to take a a look here just for a second at the Israelites. Here's what's going on in their story. They um, had been enslaved for over 400 years in Egypt and God sent Moses to rescue them and to bring them out. They experienced the 10 plagues and protection in the midst of those plagues with the wisdom of God. And and they make their way out. And as they make their way out, there's an incredible pursuit against them. The Egyptian army, one of the most powerful forces in the world at that time, begins to pursue them. They want their slaves back because that's their workforce. And so they're coming after them. The Israelites find themselves between uh, an army and a Red Sea, and they've got nowhere to go. These are folks that have just been in slave labor. They're not trained fighters, and they make it through the Red Sea, when God parts the Red Sea, we sang about that earlier. And the Red Sea, uh, symbolically, though a real event, symbolically is a picture of your salvation, my salvation. See, God actually brings us out and he baptizes us in blood, the Red Sea, and leads us into a time of transformation. So they now had been in the wilderness for some time, wandering around. They had experienced incredible miracles of provision and leadership. They're getting manna from heaven. They're getting a pillar of smoke and a cloud of fire. They are seeing God move. And now they find themselves on the banks of the Jordan River with the invitation to step into the promised land. And so, like them, you and I often find ourselves in the midst of transformation with an invitation to step into the promises of God. The Jordan River, the word Jordan actually means to descend. And it's a picture prophetically of the Holy Spirit descending on us, of us being baptized into him. So it's a picture of maturing and becoming like God, the ones that he created us to be. So they find themselves there. The invitation is to go into the promised land. How many of you know this, that the promises of God are never easy? 
right? Like most of us are like, man, if once we get to the other side, once I'm like really spiritually mature, I won't have any difficulty. How many of you know that their promised land and your promised land, my promised land alike is full of giants? Many of us are looking to live a life that's easy with Jesus, and that's not the promise of God. He actually says that you'll, you will have trouble, but take heart because I'm with you. So they find themselves having seen all of these miracles. Now they're camped at the Jordan River with an invitation to go in, and they decide this, that they're going to send 12 spies, one from each tribe, to go spy out the promised land, to go see how good it is. The problem is, is that they move from going to see how good it is to thinking, can we do this? Well, I said that the promises of God aren't easy. There's another reality to that, that they're incredibly easy. All you have to do is walk into them. Right? And so they go and they begin to spy out the land. There's, there's 12 spies and they come back and in verse 27, it says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. There's incredible provision there. And here's its fruit. They actually had it with them. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities, and for, the, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of the Anak there. Those are giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. How many of you know that when your mind has been transformed, the impossible looks possible? You're not worried about the giants ahead of you because you have God behind you. And so you know that you're actually going to be secure regardless of what you face because he is with you and you've got his promise. They've got a problem. Their problem is rationalization. Most of us wrestle with rationalizing ourselves out of the promises of God. And so we never enter into the promised land, the destiny that God has created us to live in because we decide to play it safe. That's why when you're full of faith, when you're thinking with God, the impossible looks possible. So here comes the, the rationalization. Verse 31, it says, the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack the people there. They are stronger than we are. How many of you know when we're wrestling with faith and we get our eyes on ourselves, we lose? It says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we have explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of the Anak who came from the Nephilim. That's a whole nother story. We seemed, this is key, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. They had begun to think that they understood what was possible. 
because they had begun to assume what their enemy thought. They began to assume that it was impossible because it seemed with their own eyes impossible. One of the greatest problems we have to walking into what God has for us is that we look with our own eyes and think with our own mind. And when we do, it's easy to come under fear. And in that place of fear, we'll never step into the promises of God because it always takes faith. And so the story goes on. God gets really angry. He really wants to disown them as a people because of their lack of faith. But Moses, God, they talk a bit. And then God says, look, I'm tired of dealing with these people. And so there's a whole generation that's not going to make it. They're going to wander around in the wilderness for the next 40 years. And anyone under 20 has the right to go into the promised land. But nobody who's above 20, who has seen all that I have done, is going to make it into the promised land because of their lack of faith, because of their lack of trust in me. I believe that for you and I, there's an invitation to learn to think with God to learn to think from his perspective that we actually could be a people who live in the promised land, that live in a move of God that we would see sustained and turn generational, that we would be a people who walk in the power of God and in the love of God in such a way that it changes the world around us. But it's going to take us seeing ourselves and our circumstances from God's perspective instead of ours. We're going to have to learn how to think with God. And we're going to have to learn to prize the perspective of heaven over every other perspective. We're going to have to say, okay, God promised that to me. Now I'm going to walk in it regardless of what the circumstances look like. Regardless of what it seems like. I love uh, in First Chronicles 12, verse 32, David's getting ready to go to war. And it, it gives this description of all of the people that are going to war with him, that are on his side. But it gives this slight description of this tribe of people called the, the tribe of Issachar. And it says that among them were 200 men who knew the times. Anybody know the times? You can kind of look around, you're like, hey, I can see what's going on and what they should do. We live in an incredibly complicated time, right? In my life, maybe it's because of my age and I just hadn't seen and been around that long. But in my life, I've never seen the level of complication and the number of dynamics that we're facing feels like pressure from all sides. But what if God, what he did in the tribe of Issachar, that they knew the times? They understood all the dynamics of what were going on. And then they also knew what men should do in response to the times. What if that wasn't just a description of what God did one time in one group of people, but what if it was an invitation to live from heaven's perspective? You see, when we begin to understand the power of the new covenant, we look at the Old Testament and we say, what God did extraordinarily there should be the ordinary for new covenant people. And that there's actually an invitation to think 
with the mind of Christ. You see, you get a new heart, but we all need an upgrade in our mind. The thing that Joshua and Caleb were dealing with was not that they were denying the problem. You understand that? Like sometimes we think that faith is to stick our heads in the sand and pretend like nothing bad is going on. Now, the temptation for us is probably one of two things, to stick our head in the sand and pretend like nothing's going on or to live over here and stick our heads in the news and pretend like everything is going wrong, right? Like we, we bounce between those two things. Well, let me just get my head in the sand and I'll just be okay in my little bubble. What we find is that our little bubble gets encroached upon by all the things going on around us. Or let me get my head in the news, and I'm just glued to what's going on so much so that the visible reality begins to define my ultimate reality instead of the invisible reality, which is the eternal reality, having an impact on the world around me. And when we begin to not deny the problem, because faith does not deny problems, it only denies them the place of ultimate influence. And so when we begin to recognize there's a problem, but heaven's got a solution, then we can begin to operate with the mind of Christ. And that's what you and I have access to through Jesus. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 6. It says, we... Do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not wisdom of this age. That's good news. We need wisdom way beyond this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before times began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they would, they would not have crucified our Lord. However, it is written, this was really good. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived are the things that God has prepared for those who love, the, love him. Now, most of us read that and think that's our reality. But hold on, though that sounds really good, it actually gets better than that. It says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. So somebody comes up to you, hey, man, nobody even knows how good the things God has revealed for you. What Paul is saying is actually God's revealing them to you by his spirit. He's not keeping you in the dark, but actually if you'll commune with his spirit, then he'll give you revelation of what's going on and what he has in store for you so that you can walk by faith and not by sight. Goes on to say, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not a spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. That's really good news. What if you begin to understand what God has already given you? If he's put his spirit in you, you have everything that you need. What if we begin to understand what his spirit in us actually meant? You don't have a spirit from God. You have the spirit of God, and that comes fully loaded with everything you need, with the power and provision, with the love that you need to see him move in your life. This is what we speak, not words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities 
with spirit-taught words. How many of you want to understand spiritual realities? The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The spirit or the person with the spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. And then it goes on to say, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct them? Now, this is what I want you to get. But we have the mind of Christ. You believe that? God's given you access to the mind of Christ. This isn't just a, a one-off verse that I could pull out of context and try to make it say what it doesn't say. What it says in John 15, 15 is that I, I don't call you servants. I actually call you friends because, God, because friends get to know their master's business. What it says in, in John 16, 23 is that I, I'm actually giving you my Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to speak, of you, speak to you of the things that are to come. God's heart is that you and I, in an incredibly complex and complicated world, is that you and I would not be left in the dark. But here's the key for you and for me. If we want to learn to think with God, we have to learn how God thinks. Do you understand? If we want to learn to think with God, we have to learn how God thinks. Here's what that means. One key is this, that we become a people of Scripture that we immerse ourselves in scripture because if you want to know what God's saying, it's important that you know what he's already said. As you immerse yourself in scripture, what you get is the values of heaven in such a way that when stuff goes on around you, you can see and know what God's doing because you know how God acts in the middle of craziness, in the middle of everything being turned upside down. The second thing is, the second key is that you have to be a person of prayer. I love one of the words used in the New Testament for prayer, this is the word used when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, about to go to the cross and he was talking with God. He was in such stress that he was sweating, bull, uh, sweating blood and, and he began to say, God, uh, I'm praying that you would take this from me. He knew what he was about to endure. And as he was praying, the word there used is the word prosukomai. Say prosukomai. prosukomai. You got that really good. Good job. The word persukomai means this, that we exchange our thoughts for God's thoughts. So we give him our trash and we get his treasure. We give him our fear and we get his courage. We give him our unbelief and we get his belief. What happens when we pray, and I don't just mean reading off a list or just telling God what you think, but when you actually pray in such a way that you share with him where you are vulnerably and then you wait and listen for him to speak, what happens is we begin to get transformed because he renews our mind with his treasure. It's the heart of God that we would participate in this divine exchange through prayer. The, the third way, the third key to thinking with God is that we pay attention to our beliefs. You see, God is the God of all hope. There is no person, no situation in which God does not have hope. And so we have to understand what God's up to. When God looks at the future, he's not afraid. He's got incredible hope. When God looks at you, 
He's not disappointed because he's not treating you according to your history, but according to your destiny. And so when God sees a problem, he gets excited because he knows that he has a solution. And when we begin to think with God, all of a sudden we have a belief system that becomes renewed and transformed in such a way that we have wisdom that makes no sense to this world and yet brings incredible solutions to the world. The invitation that God has for us is that we would renew our minds in such a way that we would be transformed into his image. The world doesn't need you to run around with your excited causes and your half solutions. What the world needs is a people who are thinking with God, whose minds have been renewed so that we know what's going on and what we can do. And as we allow him to renew our minds, what happens is we get transformed. And you know what happens when people are transformed? Transformed people transform people. We begin to see his transformation come to the world around us. I love what neuroscience is catching up on. Neuroscience is, is beginning to recognize that we're not a slave to our thoughts, but we actually have power to control our thoughts. We actually have power to control our thought patterns. In the next few weeks, I'll, I'll share with you my journey of overcoming depression by renewing my mind. And I believe that God wants to give us an upgrade in this season in the way that we think. So I want to give you an invitation, Chris, in a minute we'll share more with you. Lent is coming up. It's the 40 days leading up to Easter. And during these 40 days, what we want to do as a church is participate in what's called a negativity fast positivity feast. And, and during this, what we're going to do is we're going to be on a journey of learning how to think with God, how to renew our minds. Here's what I mean by negativity fast. It does not mean that we get to bury our heads in the sand and pretend like there's not negative stuff going on, but instead we're going to choose cognitively to participate with heaven's hope instead of man's fear. And as we do that, here's what happens. This is what we, we find in neuroscience is that our brains have neuroplasticity. And so the things that once brought you fear, that your, your thought patterns just immediately drifted into fear, Regardless of what was happening, it was like an unconscious decision that was already made and it was a path that was well run in your mind. What happens is as you begin to partner with faith, with hope, with belief, all of a sudden that neuropathway begins to decay and die and God develops a new neuropathway so that you then your automatic response is to think with hope, is to think with God. So would you stand? I wanna pray for you in a few minutes. We'll have our ministry team come down and they would love to pray with you. There are some of you here, our, our team was praying and really felt like there's at least one person that needs to give their life to Jesus. That, here's what that looks like. It looks like recognizing that you have fallen short, that you've got sin in your life, that you rebelled against God, that you've gone your own way and you want to trust him with your life. You want to recognize that when he went to the cross, he covered your sin and he gave you his life so that you could live the life that you were meant to live, that he was risen from the dead to offer new life to you. And so 
as our prayer team comes forward, you guys can come on forward now. Um, they would love to pray with you. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus, they would love to pray with you. We also have some Bibles if you need them. And in that is an opportunity just to, to learn what your next steps are with Jesus. They also would just love to pray with you. If you're going through a hard time, need prayer for anything, we have seen God. You heard Shaylin's story, if you were here when church started, of healing. You heard uh, Justin's story of God just showing up in a powerful way and saying, I see you. And so if you're in a place maybe where you need healing in your body, healing in your heart, maybe you just need to know that God sees you, I'd invite you to come forward and let this team pray with you. They would love to do that. But I wanna pray this prayer that Paul prayed uh, for the Romans in Romans chapter 15. I wanna pray this over you and then we'll worship a little bit. It says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I, in the name of Jesus, just release upon you a contagious hope, a faith that sees from heaven's perspective a love that cannot entertain fear, a courage that changes the world. And I thank you, God, that you are raising up a people who think not just like you, but think with you, that see the world transformed because we're living connected to you. We thank you, Lord, for your life in us. Lord, we invite you in this coming season to renew our minds with us. Show us what that looks like, transform us to be more like you, that we would be a people who walk in radical faith. In Jesus' name.